Well, but it has more than just literary value. We're not here tonight just to study how they wrote poetry. We're here to extract lessons and to apply them to our lives. But I say that because much of the Old Testament is written in that kind of Hebrew parallelism or poetry. Book of Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Lamentation, parts of Jeremiah and Isaiah, parts of the Minor Prophets. Now, if you have a modern translation of the Bible, you can readily tell when you are in a poetic section because the words are written differently on the page. It's not just in paragraph form. It's set apart, and you have a phrase, and then you have an indentation and a phrase underneath it. So you can see the parallelism. You can study it, and it's more apparent. It is believed that Job lived at the time of the patriarchs. It is a good possibility that he knew Guys like Jacob, he lived in that same time period in the land of Uz. Isn't that a great place? Uz. Uz was a place that was east of the Jordan River, east of the Sea of Galilee, and extended actually from the east border of Israel to the Euphrates River. It was that whole region which included some fertile spots as well as some desert areas. Uh, The desert of Syria. Um name was changed later on to Ammon and Moab, but at that time it was called the land of Uz. You notice in verse 1 and 2, as it describes Job, it speaks about his person, it speaks about his wealth, and it speaks about his relationship with God. And you notice that the wealth is not measured in coin. It's measured in property, in cattle, in uh, donkeys, sheep, camels, and so forth. Because he lived in the time of the patriarchs, where they traveled about in a tent. They lived inside of a tent. And he had servants. It's a description much like Abraham, a very wealthy man, who lived around the same time as Isaac or Jacob. And... uh, just living in a different area. Uh, When Abraham went from Ur of the Chaldees into Israel, he actually went around where Job was living. He went from the Mesopotamia River Valley down into Israel, and Job was living a little bit east of where Abraham ended up. The question that the book deals with is one of human suffering. That's perhaps the greatest value of the book of Job. The question that it answers is, where is God when I suffer? Have you ever asked that question? Lord, why would you allow this to happen? Why would a God of love allow the maladies in the world to occur? How could a God of love allow my father to be killed or my brother to be killed in in an accident? Why would God do this? Why would God allow suffering? Now that's been an age-old question, the question of why. Not how, not what, but why. Where is God when I suffer? That question has had numerous answers, some profound, some simplistic. The book of Job takes, what, 40 chapters, is it? 30-some chapters to address that whole issue. I'll tell you in a minute. 38? 40. That's a lot of chapters to discuss that issue. There's a lot of philosophizing going on in this book. Well, one guy comes along and says, well, let me tell you the reason, Job, why, you're, why you are suffering. And another guy says, no, 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 the real reason you're suffering is this. And Job responds 
to each of those attacks. The technical theological term for this is theodicy. Theodicy means the ability to vindicate or defend God's righteousness in the light of human suffering. How can God be a just God when people on the earth suffer? How can you mesh those two facts? That there are people who suffer and a God who is just and loving. They just don't seem to fit. Especially when the person is innocent and he has done no wrong, like Job. Job wasn't a sinner. He was a righteous man. In fact, God held him up as the example of a righteous, godly man, and yet he suffered greatly. Answers a lot of questions. Oh, it's a timely book for our generation. Answers a lot of theological questions. Where is God when I suffer? Keep in mind that the end...